Well, my dear friends, today is Christ the King Sunday. It marks the celebration of our Lord as King of all things, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father. It also marks the last Sunday of what we call ordinary time. We say goodbye today to green altar pyramids, green pyramids on the pulpit and on the lectern, and green vestments for the clergy. It's the last Sunday of the liturgical year A, the year of intense study of the Gospel of Matthew. Next Sunday, we begin the season of Advent and mark the beginning of a new year in our liturgy, year B, which will be an intense study of the Gospel of Mark. Next Sunday, you'll see blue vestments and pyramids, and we'll begin again the story of our salvation through the birth, life, teaching, sacrifice, and resurrection of our Lord. Of course, Christ is frequently referred to in contemporary literature as the King, but the name Christ itself actually signifies divinity. And those of us who truly believe recognize Him as the Lord of our lives. Now the Gospel lesson today is very familiar to most of us. In fact, it's inscribed on those three memorial windows over there on that side of the sanctuary. The whole Gospel lesson for today is represented in those windows. <clears throat> and these terms have even crept into modern colloquial use. Back in my classroom days, I used to very frequently tell my students, now the next exam is going to separate the sheep from the goats. <laughs> now being products for the most part of cultural Christianity, they knew exactly what I meant. And it always injected some sense of fear and anxiety into the discussion. Indeed, this reading seems to have an apocalyptic quality, a fear of the coming judgment, an anxiety about whether or not we have lived up to the very high ethical standards set by our Lord. Yet we should consider it in the context of the teachings that we have heard the last few Sundays. Remember the parable of the wise and foolish virgins and the parable of the talents. We should also take into account that Matthew was addressing this tiny group of Jewish Christians who were both fearful and anxious concerning their own future and the future return of the Lord. Now seen in this light, this text fills, up with, fills us with hope and reassurance. The hope and reassurance that God does indeed love and take care of His own. Those who have been faithful and truly and genuinely lived out the message of Jesus. And we have this wonderful assurance on the authority of none other than Jesus Himself. This is, there's great joy and great spiritual fulfillment in this reassurance. My prayer today is that all of you discover this joy and fulfillment. Now this is not only the last Sunday in the liturgical year, but it's the last Sunday before we all make our commitment to the financial support and the service support of St. Peter's through our stewardship campaign. I'm going to depart today from my usual practice, and I'm going to share a personal reference with you. 
Because I know, my dear friends, that I'm in a safe place here in the sanctuary of the Lord. Now, in case you haven't guessed, yours truly is an intensely private man. My innermost thoughts are known only to God and to some degree to Jill Brown. The psychologists tell me that this is a sign of a deeply introverted person who can sometimes be mistaken for an extrovert. Now, while I come from a very old Southern family dating back to the 1730s in North Carolina, my family prosperity had been completely and totally dissipated by the time I came along due to the premature and untimely death of both my grandfather and my father. But that's another story for another time. Suffice it to say that life has not been easy, but I've never had anything that I didn't work for and earn myself. But God has been very faithful to me. He's been faithful because I discovered very early in life that Christ is indeed the King. I learned to share in the kingdom, not out of abundance, but out of my scarcity. And this brought me untold joy and happiness of the spiritual kind. <clears throat> now, I remember one Christmas when Jill and I had a real disagreement. Now imagine a married couple having a disagreement. We couldn't agree on whether I was going to give her the new tires on the car and she was going to give me the new water heater or whether we'd do it the other way around. <clears throat> but that Christmas we kept the faith and we made our gifts to the church with extremely grateful hearts. In those early years of our marriage, I was a poor college professor with no money. Now I'm a retired poor college professor with no money. <laughs> At first, I thought my modest giving could not make much of a difference. Through a means my private self will not describe here, I later found out the real significance of my giving and that it had made a profound difference. There was a year in recent times in which Jill and I had two of our children in college as undergraduates, and the third one was in law school, and my mother was in the nursing home. But with the most sincere and heartfelt thankfulness, we were able to keep our pledge to the church. Our commitment to the kingdom of our Lord is an extremely private thing for us, after all, Jesus gave us very specific instructions concerning giving, not letting the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And the Lord loves a joyful giver because it's a privilege to give. So only the church treasurer knows the details, and that's as it should be. But it brings us joy. Some may ask, why would God, the creator of all things, that all-knowing and all-powerful being, why would he depend on humble, mortal creatures such as us to give our meager resources for the advancement of the kingdom? After all, God could merely say the word and it would be accomplished. The answer, of course, is that in his wisdom and in his infinite love for us, he knows that in this practice we grow and come to a better and fuller understanding of Him. He knows that in such giving, it will bring us happiness and joy and fulfillment. 
I got a glance into that joy of the kingship of Christ on Tuesday here at St. Peter's. Here in this place was a large group of youngsters. They ranged from teenagers down to little bitty kids. And there were a number of adults with them. And they were filling and distributing Thanksgiving baskets to those who needed them. St. John Chrysostom, an early church father and the greatest Christian preacher of all time, once said that if you can't find Christ in the beggar at the door of the church, you won't be able to find him in the chalice. On Tuesday I saw the least of these, our brothers, here as they came to St. Peter's on that afternoon to receive their Thanksgiving baskets. And I saw us minister to them. And I saw, as told in the Gospel, that we ministered to Christ the King Himself. And I was moved. And it brought me joy. And that is why we give. Amen.